Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. About a month ago, our family had opportunity to go and watch the, the remade movie of Aladdin. Anybody get a chance to go see that? A few of you? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It's interesting, they're, they're remakes of these Disney classics. And, and uh, as we were watching the movie, we appreciate the Middle Eastern culture because we had you know, lived in that setting for a while. Uh, but there's also some good life lessons that come out of those movies. I, I would say the strongest one for the movie Aladdin is that the road in the pursuit or toward the pursuit of power, it leads to ruin. If you know the characters in the story, so I would say this, if you haven't watched the movie and want to watch the movie, I'm about to ruin it for you. So maybe plug your ears for a moment. <laughs> One of the main characters, Jafar, he's like the second in command of the Sultan. He, uh, he just wants to have, you know, be the most powerful person in the world. And, and in the end, he winds up in shackles. Whereas the the street rat, who's called Aladdin, this young adult, he winds up marrying the princess, you know? So this place of humility brought to a, a place of power and this person pursuing power, it leads to ruin. And so as we continue our series in Luke today, I mention that because we get into a passage where Jesus is talking about very much the same thing, about the powerful and the weak. And it's, it's part for us to then to be, examine upon which pathway are we walking in life? Are we pursuing influence and power and greatness? Are we, are we okay to, to be the, the vessels that we are, who God has created us to be? And, and so we get to examine our own lives today as we look at this passage. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's word with you today. Uh, we say that because we want you in God's word. Uh, every day, not just today. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the chair in front of you. You're welcome to borrow that. If you don't have one at home, feel free to take it home with you today as a gift from the church. But I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, we just stand out of reverence to say, God, thank you for giving your word to us. And we're going to pick up from where we left off last week in Luke chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 45. And then we're actually going to get into the next chapter as well, chapter 21. These two passages are, are linked together, and I want to make sure that we cover them both Today, So we're going to be in, in verse 45 in Luke chapter 20. Luke writing here, in the, in the hearing of all the people, so Jesus has been talking to a crowd, but now he's kind of turning his attention to his followers. He said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So last week in Luke, in the verses that preceded these, we talked about Jesus, at this point, he's been asked, by whose authority are you doing these things? You know, this is the, the week leading up to the cross for Jesus. And, and Jesus has kind of dodged the question for a while. But last week in the passage we covered, we land on Jesus sharing who it is that he is. He's basically saying it without saying it. And what we discovered is Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is Lord. And the reason this matters as far as the identity of Jesus is the identity of Jesus should change the way that we live our lives. If we know who Jesus is, it should change the way that we live. So it's really important that we land on who he is. And so Jesus is Lord. So what does that mean? It means that Jesus, it says that he's described as sitting at the right hand of God above all power and authority and dominion. Jesus is all powerful. And that should be an encouragement to us because part of the promise we have as we step into his mission for our lives is he is with us every day, every day. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Jesus, almighty Jesus is with us more than we need self-confidence in life. We need God confidence. We can be confident in who God is and that he's with us as we go about our days. And so then the, the question becomes from the title of last week's message is not only do we need to understand who Jesus is, but then we need to respond to him in the same. So the question last week is, Jesus is Lord, but is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? And how do you determine that? What kind of life do you live if he's your Lord? And, and what we talked about is if Jesus is your Lord, then there's a couple of things that should be evident. Number one, you love Jesus. Second thing is, is that you love one another. And the third thing is, is we should love the lost. So that's the self-evaluation piece from last week. Do you love Jesus? Do you enjoy spending time with him? Do you open up your Bibles on more than just Sunday? Do you spend time in prayer with him? Do you love Jesus? Do you love to gather on a Sunday morning and worship with other believers where we can encounter him in a different way than we can in our own homes? Do you love Jesus? Do you love one another? How do we love one another? You know what? We serve alongside each other. That picture from Mega Sports Camp, that's amazing. I think there was like 150 volunteers. That's, that's, that is an amazing group of people. Loving one another as they serve Jesus together. Do you have meals with other people in, in this room? Do you sit around the dinner table together? Wonderful things happen when you do that, when you spend life together. Do you pray with one another when you realize that you're facing hardship? And then the last evaluation is, how are you doing loving the lost? Do you know your neighbor's names? Do you know if you have neighbors? Maybe we should start there. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know the, the, the names of your neighbor's kids? Do you eat lunch with your coworkers, offer to pray with them if they're facing hardship? So how are you doing making Jesus Lord of your life by loving him, by loving one another and loving the lost? And after you establish that in your life, you know, Jesus says he's given instruction to his followers. So he's revealed who he is. He, he wants his followers to, to follow him as Lord, as the Son of God. But then Jesus also brings up and he says, and by the way, as you're going through life, you need to be aware of certain qualities and characteristics that you may be inclined to, to follow. He gives us the example of the scribes and then he describes the kinds of things that they're going after. And he says, beware of that kind of life. And and then he also then points out a widow and he talks about her as well. And, and from this passage, what we're dealing with is the powerful and the weak. And what we find not only in this passage, but all throughout scripture is God over and over again uses the weak to accomplish his work. It's amazing. And that should be an encouragement to us because if you have realized at some point in your life, you've come to the end of yourself and, and realized you're not enough, that's an okay realization to come to because then God can finally use you where you're at. It's not until you realize your own weaknesses that you can really be used by God and step into the life that he has for you. So the powerful and the weak. So in God's kingdom, weakness is actually better than power. 
Weakness is better than power in God's kingdom. And it's, it's better in a couple of different ways. Weakness is better than power in God's kingdom because the powerful, it says in our passage, they're condemned. I was writing down that, that first point and thought, well, what a great way to start a message like condemnation out of the gates, you know? That's not great. But at the same time, Jesus says the powerful, as he looks at those individuals and the, the life that they're going after, he uses this word condemned, and so it's worth talking about. And maybe a better word to use here is, is as we look at weakness and power, weakness is better than power in God's kingdom because God actually opposes the powerful. And we need to grapple with those things this morning. So as Jesus begins to talk to the crowd that's there and addressing his followers, he points out the scribes and and he begins to list characteristics of things that describe them. They like to walk around with long robes. In other words, they like to be seen. They want people to, to recognize them. He says that these types of people and characteristics, not only do they like to be seen, but they like to be affirmed. They like to be greeted in the marketplace. So that's another quality of those that are on this path that's, they're trying to pursue their own power and greatness and influence. But then there's other qualities. He says that they prefer the best seats in the synagogues, in the marketplaces, and at banquets. So they like preferential treatment. But he says, here's, here's another thing. They take advantage of others. They devour the homes of widows. And then one of the last things he lists there is he says that they, they like to look good for others. They pray long prayers. They, they allow other people to see them giving, but really they're just giving out of their abundance. So when you look at those qualities, those are interesting qualities for us to consider for all of our lives too. I actually was going through that list. I'm going to let you enter into my mind for a moment, which is a dangerous place to go, by the way. I actually was thinking about redneck jokes. You'll have to go with me for a moment. You know, so the redneck joke is you might be a redneck if, right? Which there's a long list of really funny redneck jokes. You know, like you stand on the front porch and wave to people in your underwear. You know, that you might be a redneck. Might be a redneck if you make change in the offering plate. So there's all kinds of redneck jokes out there. So where my mind went with this is, you know what? You look at that list and you could say, well, you might be on the path of pursuing power and influence if, and you just run through that list of, of qualities. You might be on that path of pursuing greatness and power and influence if you like to be seen by others? Is that really important to you, that that others recognize you? Does it make you upset if people walk past you and don't acknowledge you? That's something for us to examine in our hearts and lives. Where is your heart with that? Or you might be on the path of, of pursuing power and influence if you like to be affirmed by others. And sometimes what that looks like is if somebody doesn't affirm your accomplishments, you find a way to bring that up into your conversation so that they're aware of your accomplishments. But you also could be on that path of of pursuing power and influence in this life. If you prefer preferential treatment, like you want the best seat at the the basketball game, you you want to be able to be offered more things at a restaurant, or if you're with a group of people, you're at a convention, you want the best room in the hotel. So all of these characteristics are characteristics of people that are on a path pursuing power and influence in this life. And here's the challenge for us. Jesus says, beware of that. Beware of those qualities and characteristics in your life. And why does he say beware of those qualities and characteristics? He says, beware of those because I actually oppose those things. I oppose those things in people's lives. Peter, he does a great job of summarizing this passage. He says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to be opposed by God. I think that would be a really bad place to live. 
What do we need? We need God's grace in our lives. And so Jesus, he helps to explain, these are characteristics you need to look out for in your life. And I was, I was working through that list, and I thought, you know, what's interesting is that list, in and of itself, for the most part, they're not necessarily terrible things. Because there's a reason we have those desires in our heart. It's not wrong that you want to be seen by others, but what God would say is, is look to me because I, as your creator, see you. And if God sees you, why is it important that anybody else does? There is a longing in your heart to be seen, but it's really a longing that stems from a desire to be seen by your creator. And could I encourage you this morning? He sees you. He sees you right now. He sees you in the circumstance you're in right now in life. And you've showed up here this morning somehow by the grace of God, hoping to hear from him. And I want you to know he sees you today. And then we seek affirmation that we want to be affirmed. And and that's really actually a God-given desire. But if we're just looking to be affirmed by people, it's always going to fall short. But God would affirm you today. We've talked about this at the baptism of Jesus where God the Father speaks over the Son. You are loved. You are a child of God. And I'm pleased with you. So God affirms you today. So don't look for affirmation elsewhere. Because Jesus says, beware of that road. If you're going to go down that road seeking power and influence through this life and and this life only, then you're going to fall short. So that's why he opposes it. He opposes it because he knows there's something greater that you're missing out on. So where are you at this morning? Are you hoping to be seen by people in your workplace or even people in this church? Are you wanting to be affirmed by others? Are you always looking for preferential treatment? Are you putting on a face that all is good when God is saying, but I see your heart and guess what? I can actually make you good. So there's so much more that God can do in and through your life if you allow him. But he says, beware of the path of just going down that path on your own because there's more afforded to you. Weakness is greater than power in God's kingdom. And it's, it's greater for another reason. Because God uses the weak to serve as examples for others. Over and over, all throughout scripture, God uses the weak to serve as examples for others. He, Jesus, after talking about the scribes and being aware of, of this lifestyle, don't live that kind of life, look out for these characteristics, it's going to lead you down a road you don't want to go. He says, now, look at this widow. And I want to pause there for a minute because the reason I link these two passages this morning is because they're meant to go together. That Jesus says, beware of the scribes for they devour the widow's houses. And so then he says, and now look at this widow. Here's an example. She's giving all that she has to live on. So here's the fulfillment of what I've just said. These religious leaders are taking advantage of this woman. And so what does that mean for us this morning? Yes, this woman was generous. And so often that's how this passage is handled But I also think we need to examine what were these scribes doing that was taking advantage of the life of this widow, that was making life more difficult for her. And we need to examine our own hearts and lives. Is there anything that we're doing in the way that we live that's making life more difficult for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for those that we interact with? And I would say one of the things that we need to consider is, is my life a shining example for others that helps their life improve? Because if not then I'm not helping that person live a better life like these scribes should have done for this widow. But as I I dove deeply into understanding this widow's gift, because that was what I was being challenged with, was this widow giving only because this system was in place and these religious leaders were taking advantage of her. What was this gift that she was giving? 
And when you research this gift that she's giving, which is in the, the court of the women, they have offering boxes there. It, would actually, it was actually a free will offering. So of her own inclination and free will, she was giving to support what was the work of God in her time. And that was a defining characteristic for me as we look at the life of this widow. What has made her an example for 2,000 years? Think about that. We've got these scribes who served as a negative example, but this widow serves as a different kind of example for us. And what kind of example was she giving? She was concerned with doing the work of God in her time. And so she gave. And she gave sacrificially. Why? Because she wanted to, she did much with the little that she had. That was another characteristic of hers. So no matter what you have, what are you doing for the name of God? And the other characteristic for the widow is that she depended on God. It says that she gave all that she had to live on. She knew God could be trusted. She knew that Jehovah was her provider. God was her provider. So what does it look like to live that kind of life? What kind of path was she on? She was on a path of humility and dependence on God. So there's two different paths that were offered in this life. One of going after power and influence, but one of also going after humility and dependence. And so the question this morning is, what path are we choosing? And I would say you can't just choose that path one time. You've got to choose that path every day. This is where Paul gets into the scriptures of I die daily. Why? Because every day we've got to choose to walk the path of the kingdom way. And are we going to choose that path? Because if we choose that path, then God could at one point make your life an example for others. Because God uses those who recognize their weakness to serve as examples for others. Because weakness is greater than power in God's kingdom. Because the other thing we see here is that weakness is greater than power in God's kingdom. Why? Because God uses weakness to display his strength. God uses those kinds of people who recognize their shortcomings. And he's done it all throughout scripture. Think about stammering Moses. Think about young David, whose dad didn't even bring him to the table considering that this could be one day the future king. They left him out in the field. God over and over again uses the weak to accomplish his work. And why does he do that? Because then there's no mistake as to who's behind it all. God is the one behind the great things that he accomplishes in his name. God desires to use the weak to accomplish his great purposes. In fact, this is really Jesus' ongoing teaching over and over again. What does he say? He says, the last shall be first. Absolutely. This is the ongoing teaching of Jesus. So he teaches it, but then he also lives it out. Because we find a little bit later in this passage in Matthew, here's what he says. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, so he's talking about himself, even himself, he came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So my question for you this morning is, are you living that kind of life? Is your life as a ransom for others? Are you providing access to God in the way in which you live? Are you putting on display your weakness so that God can be your strength? Because God uses weakness to advance his kingdom. In fact, I would say weakness is power in God's kingdom. That's really the point this morning. So then where's the prayer point and application? I would say, look at John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus. He has this wonderful phrase where he says, more of you, God, and less of me. In the New Living Translation, he says that he must become greater and greater 
and I must become less and less. At the bottom of your program, we always have those statements of, in response to this message, I will, and, and I can share this message with, and because we want you really to apply God's word to your life. So what's the application for you this morning? What's the do for you? Could you pray that prayer, oh Jesus, may you increase in my life, and may I decrease, so that you can become greater. We were praying this morning, you know, before we come out to the service, and oh Lord, may the worship team decrease, that you might increase as we sing. Oh Lord, may I decrease as I preach that your word might increase in people's lives. So how is God going to apply that message to you? I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close in song this morning. And, and I really would like to put before you this morning as we close in song. God's desire is to increase in your life. But it is something that we have to choose. We have to ask for. So as we, we're going to close in a song that we already sang and in this service so that's familiar to you, but my encouragement would be, maybe step out from where you're at. Come and sing songs in the front because increase of God in your life means decrease of you in your life, which means, Jesus, I need to surrender my all to you. You know, as we, why do we raise hands in, in a church service? Why? Because it's just a sign of surrender to say, God, I surrender to you. I want more of you in my life, less of me, oh God. So Jesus, may you increase. What kind of peace could you have in your heart if you knew that you don't need to increase, you don't need to pursue your own power and greatness and influence, but it's, it's God that does a work in you to accomplish his purposes? How much hope could you have knowing as you decrease, God increases in everything that you could do? So Lord, help us that way. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and that's really where it starts. For God to increase in your life, you first need to ask God to be Lord of your life. You need to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. So with every head bowed in this room, may we start there. Anybody here today that would say, I need to follow Jesus. I need him to increase in that way that I need to enter into that kind of relationship. Because it starts there first. You've got to ask Jesus to increase in that way. Anybody here that would say, I, I need to follow Jesus. I want him to increase in my life in that way. The second thing I'd say this morning is, Man, let's make that commitment to let Jesus increase in our life. There, there's no forward movement in life without his increase in our life. So you can look up here this morning. The song team's going to come and sing, and I'll, I'll pray before they do. But as we close in song, my prayer is, is that us gathering on a Sunday is not just part of the routine of your week, but that you really come seeking a genuine encounter with the Lord. He's here today. His promises where two or three are gathered. He says that he's enthroned on the praises of his people. He says that he inclines his ear to hear our prayer. Those are all active things that have been alive here this morning as we've gathered. So as we sing this morning, stay where you're at, but maybe step out and worship in the front. Maybe go take communion this morning. Maybe come and pray at the front steps. Whatever God is speaking to your heart in terms of your decrease so that he might increase. Let's respond that way this morning as we sing. God, I just ask for each and every one in this room that you would increase in their lives. Lord, help us to decrease. Jesus, that you might be the one that's on display here, that you might be the one on display in our lives. Lord, that when we talk to our neighbors, they, they see you. Lord, that when we work in our workspaces, Lord, that people see you. 
And so God, I just pray that we could turn that scripture into a prayer. Jesus, more of you and less of us, that we might run into your presence and be lifted up. So God, I just pray that you lift people up today. Lord, as they surrender completely to you, Lord, as they spend time in prayer, as they worship freely, I pray, Jesus, you meet them where they're at. Lord, meet them now. God, I just pray that our lives, every life in this room be devoted to you. May we hold nothing back from you, King Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.